Hey, sis. Welcome to the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast. Now, real quick before we get into the show, did you know that this podcast is a spinoff from a book that I wrote? Yes. Mom Keys to Mental Peace, 12 Tips to Become a Healthy Mom and Raise Healthy Children. In this book, I share my story about how I identified toxic patterns of thinking about life and motherhood. I share how God helped me to transform by the renewal of my mind. I didn't want to keep this revelation to myself, so I packaged it in a book to share how you can transform your mindset and lifestyle too. This book is for anyone who desires to break unhealthy generational patterns in their family, want to build healthier and stronger relationships with their children, or for anyone who wants to overcome the battle of negative thoughts in their mind. After reading this book, you will learn how to gain confidence in who you are as a mother, handle unhealthy thinking patterns when they appear in your mind, and position yourself to achieve mom-life balance. This book is available wherever books are sold, and the link will be in the show notes. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast. I'm your host and sister in Christ, Tari Kaya Allen Butler. This is a podcast for millennial moms who struggle with limiting beliefs and want to learn how to make over their mindsets and level up their lifestyle in faith and family. Tap in each week for the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast where you will learn major keys to stop coming up short on your goals and start leveling up for the type of lifestyle you desire God's way. Ready to level up? Let's do it. All right, guys. So welcome back to another podcast episode. As always, welcome to our OG listeners. So happy to have you here and welcome to our new listeners. I'm happy to have you here as well. So we are jumping into the third part of our Job Bible study. I'm excited for today's topic. I've been excited for um, this series overall. I've been getting some good feedback and people have been gaining great revelation from what I'm sharing. So I'm so happy because that was my goal of this. Um, As I shared before, um, what I'm doing today is based off a Bible study that I've done personally on the book of Job. And I did this Bible study using the Life Application Study Bible, and the link for that Bible will be in the show notes. And one thing that makes this Bible special or different than your typical Bible is that it's a good Bible um, if you have a hard time understanding scripture or if you just simply want to go deeper into your Bible study. Um, This Bible gives in-depth information about each book of the Bible So there's background context. There are footnotes for a deeper understanding of the scripture that you read. They give timelines for when certain events happen. Um, There's a blueprint and outline for each book. So you understand, you know, what you're reading as you're going through. 
There are cross-reference scriptures. So you may read a scripture in a chapter, but it will give you some other scriptures in the Bible that are related or in reference to that scripture that you read. And I have the New Living Translation um, for that. So again, the link to that Bible will be in the show notes if you're interested in getting it. All right. So today's episode is called Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. (laughs) So when we hear that phrase, it typically refers to an older person being in a relationship with a younger person, but that's not the direction I'm going today. When I say age ain't nothing but a number, I'm using this phrase to bring attention to the fact that just because you are older does not mean that you are wise. Okay. I can't remember where I heard this quote from, but I saved it in my phone and it just hit so hard. Just because your body is growing doesn't mean that your soul and your psyche are. Okay. I'm going to read that again. Just because your body is growing does not mean that your soul and psyche are. So as a millennial, I feel like we see this statement a lot um, and it's true with the older people in our lives that we may know. Some older people that we know are stuck in their ways and unable to shift their perspective or open their minds to the possibility that the way that they've handled things in life isn't always the best way. So we see this as the case in the book of Job um, with the the young man and his name is Elihu. And he responds to Job and rebukes his three friends for how they've handled Job in regards to arguing with him about his suffering. Okay, so just a quick um, summary of where we are as far as in this Bible study. Um, Job went back and forth with his three friends Eliphaz, Biliad, and Zophar from chapters 3 to chapter 31. And we learned that there are 42 chapters in the book of Job. So a huge chunk of the book of Job is Job going back and forth with his friends about why he is suffering, why he's going through everything that he's going through. And Job arguing his case like, I hear what you're saying, but what you're saying is not true. So in chapter 32, there's this young man named Elihu, and he presented his case to Job as to why he was suffering and what he should do to resolve the issue. Now, Elihu was angry at Job. So it's not like um, Elihu felt like everybody was wrong. He felt like Job was wrong um, about his argument, and he felt like the three friends were wrong. So Elihu was angry at Job because he refused to admit that he sinned, similar to the the three friends, right? And that God was right for punishing him. But he was also angry at Job's three friends for they made God appear to be wrong by their inability to answer Job's arguments. So as they're going back and forth from chapters three to 31, Elihu obviously is here the whole time listening to their arguments, listening to them go back and forth with their reasons. So he listened to the entire conversation, but he waited for the others to speak because they were older than him. So we see here that Elihu had a sense of reverence and respect for his elders by allowing them to speak, allowing them to share and go back and forth and not butting in until they were done. 
So once he realized that the three friends didn't have anything else to say um, to Job, he spoke up and he criticized the three friends for being unable to answer. So here we are at the beginning of chapter 32 in Job, where all three friends finally run out of words to say they're irritated with Job. I assume that Job is irritated with them. They've been going back and forth for some time now. And the friends are just like, look, I don't got nothing else to say to you about this. So Elihu, the young guy, sees this as his opportunity to speak up and share his case. So I'm going to read his opening statement. This is Job chapter 32, verses 6 through 22. I am young and you are old, so I held back from telling you what I think. I thought those who are older should speak for wisdom comes with age, but there is a spirit within people, the breath of the almighty within them that makes them intelligent. Sometimes the elders are not wise. Sometimes the age do not understand justice. So listen to me and let me tell you what I think. I have waited all this time, listening very carefully to your arguments, listening to you grope for words. I have listened, but not one of you have refuted Job or answered his arguments. And don't tell me he is too wise for us. Only God can convince him. If Job had been arguing with me, I would not answer with your kind of logic. You sit there baffled with nothing more to say. Should I continue to wait now that you are silent? Must I remain silent? No, I will say my piece. I will speak my mind for I am full of pent up words and the spirit within me urges me on. I am like a cask of wine without a vent, like a new wine skin ready to burst. I must speak to find relief. So let me give my answers. I won't play favorites or try to flatter anyone, for if I tried flattery, my creator would soon destroy me. So y'all, <laughs> this is Elihu's opening statement to the three friends in Job. And you can hear in the tone of his voice, like he's fed up, he's irritated. Like I said, they've been going back and forth for some time now. And he's just like, look, are y'all done? Are y'all finished? Because I got something I need to say. <laughs> Um, so his argument um, was that although Job was a good man, that he had allowed himself to become proud. So God was punishing him in order to humble him. So this answer was partially true, just like everybody else's answer. So I think that's something we can take from this. Um, nobody was fully right about why Job was going through what he was going through. Only God knew the full answer at this time. So this answer was partially true because suffering does purify our faith, but God is beyond our comprehension. As I've shared each episode, this is not that when it comes to our understanding versus God's understanding. We cannot know why he allows some instance of suffering to come into our lives. Our part is to simply remain faithful. That's all that we can do. Okay. So. There's a breakdown um, in this study Bible where it shares like each friend's source of wisdom or where they feel like their wisdom can be found. So the argument amongst the three friends, the young man and Job is whose source of wisdom was accurate. So Job and his friends differed in their ideas of how people become wise. 
So I'm going to start with the first friend, um, Elafaz. He says that wisdom is learned by observing and experiencing life. He confidently based his advice to Job on his firsthand knowledge. So his attitude towards God was, I have personally observed how God works and I have figured him out. (laughs) Um, In Job chapter four, verse eight, um, he actually says, my experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. So again, this is that partial truth. Yes, that is the case, you know, what you reap, you sow. But we also learned in the book of Job, if you go back to the two episodes, we have learned in this book that this statement is not always true. It's not always the case that um, just because you do something wrong, that you're automatically punished for it because this was not the case for Job. We've learned that we have limited experience in this life, so we can't base um, our full wisdom or completely depend on the wisdom that we have from the experience in our life. God's knowledge is bigger than any experience that we can have here on earth. Our lives are like a raindrop in the ocean compared to God's experience about this world and our lives here on earth. So, and I think I shared this in the last episode, how there can be two siblings that are raised in one household and both of them have completely different experiences. So your experience may be fitting for you and for your understanding, but that's not always the case. Your experience is not always what's best for someone else to understand, or you can't depend on your experience to explain to somebody why they're going through what they're going through. It it just doesn't make sense. Only God's understanding, his his ways and his knowledge being higher than our ways is the full truth. And as mere humans and immortals, we don't always know that. Okay. So that was his argument. Bilidad's argument was that wisdom is inherited from the past, that trustworthy knowledge is secondhand. He based his advice to Job on traditional proverbs and sayings that he frequently quoted. So his attitude towards God was, Those who have gone before us figured God out, and all we have to do is use that knowledge. So again, this is partial wisdom. Um, In Job chapter 8, verse 8, Bilead said, just ask the previous generation, pay attention to the experience of our ancestors. So some traditions and ways of doing things in the past don't make sense in the present. For example, in the past, we were taught or our parents and our grandparents were taught that the only way to success is to go to college and get a degree and then find a job and work that job for 30 plus years so that you can earn your benefits and retirement. That is not the case or the only blueprint for success today, especially in 2024. And I believe that millennials and the generations under us have figured that out. And I believe that it irritates the older generation so much that it's like, no, y'all are just out here doing anything to be successful and earn money. This is the blueprint and this is the way that it needs to be done to um, to have security or to know for a fact that you will have this secure future. And that's not always the case. 
Um, just today, me and my husband were talking about um, this older guy who ended up losing his business or um, and had to go back into the working field and get a regular job. And he was telling my husband, like, man, you know, it's no point in even trying to start your own business because in the end, it's not going to work out for you. You're not going to have any money, X, Y, Z. But me and my husband realized, like, okay, that may have been the case for him, but that's not the case for everybody. And maybe there was certain knowledge and information that he didn't have, which ended in the result of his business ending. So, you know, you can't just depend on your only source of wisdom or depend on the old way, or this is how we always do it, or this is the way it's always been done, because that can't always be the case for the present future or the future, Um, for the present or the future. Things are always changing. Things are always evolving. What worked in one season is not always going to work in the next seasons and seasons to come. So just be open-minded about that. You can't depend on what worked in the past for somebody. You have to be able to um, be flexible and pivot and always, always ready to learn. We can always be a student. I feel like for the rest of our lives, there's always something to learn. And if you get to the point where you feel like you know everything or you're just going to depend on your old blueprint, (laughs) you're going to find yourself stuck or pushed to the side while the younger generation or the generations after you are pushing past you. All right. And then the last friend, Zophar, his argument was that wisdom belongs to the wise. He based his advice on his wisdom, which had no other source than himself. This is arrogance and pride in regards to wisdom. So his attitude towards God was that God reveals his wisdom to those who humbly trust him. So this is sounding like God has this special group of people that he only tells certain information to. And if you um, know God or have read your Bible, you know that God will use the foolish (laughs) of people or he's even used a donkey to speak to somebody before or give wisdom. So There's not just this specific group of people that God speaks to or downloads wisdom to. He will use whatever and whoever to get his message across. So Zophar's argument in chapter 20 was based purely on the idea that Job was an evil hypocrite. Zophar said that although Job had it good for a while, he didn't live righteously. So God took his wealth from him. According to Zophar, Job's calamities proved his wick his wickedness okay so again as we have learned just because something bad is happening to you or suffering is happening to you it is not always the case that you did something bad or that you sinned um as so far here felt like like it was just logic like one plus one equals two all the time <laughs> And in math and numbers, just that makes sense. But that's not how God works. And that's not how his kingdom works. It's not always that simple. So for here, for Zophar, it's given loud and wrong because we learned that just because suffering happens to somebody, it's not always punishment for their sin. So story time. I have recently experienced this exact situation, y'all, as soon as yesterday, And it made it into the podcast as an example. So yesterday, um, this older man had a few comments 
um, to make about the prices that I have set for Akaya's Cookies. And if you're not familiar, um, that is my side hustle that I have here in my community called Akaya's Cookies. I bake weekly and sell cookies to my community. I've done this for about, this is my sixth year that I've done it. And I've grown and learned so much over time in regards to pricing and service and all those things. So there was a post I saw on Facebook and it was a picture of some butter and it's the exact butter that I use for the cookies. And pretty much the post was saying like, don't complain about the prices that bakers, you know, charge for their service because look at here. So this butter y'all is $7 and there's four sticks in the, the pack. So pretty much they're like, you know, don't come for the girlies who are charging what they charge for their baked goods because this is just one ingredient or one piece to all that they have to do to, you know, create and have this service. So I shared this because I recently went up on my prices for the cookies. And this was something I was nervous about. I was afraid about pushback. I was afraid about people complaining and like who she thinks she is or what's going on. But I did it anyway. So he commented on the post saying that he wanted to buy from me at a recent event that I was a vendor, but that my prices were too high. So he goes on to say that he wasn't even sure how many cookies were in the bag. He thinks that there were three cookies for $12 and that that was not a good deal and outrageous. So first thing here, he's being loud and wrong in this situation because there were actually six cookies which is half a dozen in each bag for 10 to $12, depending on which flavor that you got. And I remember him at this event. I remember the conversation of him walking by and I explained, hey, you know, these flavors are 10, these flavors are 12, there's a half dozen in each bag. And he just kind of walked by like, I could tell from his face, like, you know, no, I'm not getting it. But I didn't feel any type of way about it. It is what it is. I don't force anyone to purchase anything from me and I don't feel any type of way if someone doesn't. It just is what it is. So there was a vendor beside me, the cake lady, and he compared what I had going on with her. So he compared my prices to the vendor beside me who sold cakes, saying that her prices were good because they were low, saying that he got this good size cake, um, two pieces of cake for $7.50 but he gave her $8 and told her to keep the change and just all of this extraness, right? So he began to share his wisdom based off his experience with his business. So he shared that he learned in business um, is that people want a deal, period, end of story. They will support my business, but not often if they don't get a deal. He has learned that less is more. As a small business owner, we have to be competitive. People will come back for a deal, especially if they are satisfied with their purchase. At the end of the day, he promises that I will make more money selling for less. This is what he learned in business. All right. And I'm quoting what he said in the comment. So I didn't even know that he commented this. And I will say this is how I know you know, God uses people and speaks through people because a neighbor of mine texted me and was like, hey, I just saw this comment on, you know, a post that you put up. Please don't reply back to this person because you and everybody in Sanford knows the quality of your cookies. 
you're investing your money in this, providing a service, like people know the value of what you have. Just ignore him and don't say anything back. Now, the reason I feel like that is God, because if I wouldn't have received that text message, like I said, I didn't even know he posted it. If I didn't receive that text message and I read what he said, I was going to say something back. (laughs) I was going to argue my case and go back and forth with him because I was highly offended when I read this comment. Because, sir, you don't even know what you're talking about. To start off and say that I had three cookies for sale for $12, like right there was an incorrect statement. So I was ready to go in, but I felt like the Holy Spirit used my neighbor to interject and, and stop me from responding back. So I did not say anything back to him. But, you know, just, you know, for context, the event that he's talking about or the day he's referring to, I sold out that day. For the $10 and $12 amounts that I had for the cookies, I sold out that day. I bake every Wednesday and sell them for $10 to $12, and I sell out every Wednesday. I have returning customers who purchase weekly from me. I even have a new service, um, a monthly subscription that I'm offering to um, my coworkers just because it makes more sense that we're in that space and I can you know, give the cookies to them easier. I have people asking me, when are you going to start the subscription service? You know, I'm ready to go ahead and pay. Like I have people who are supporting me weekly and returning, which contradicts everything that he just said as his business plan that he knows for sure will work. Okay. So the advice that he gave was based on his business setup, not mine. And I understand that everything isn't for everybody. And maybe, you know, cookies just aren't for you. I've put in work for six years and I've sold for less over, you know, over that time. And I did not make more money. My return of investment didn't make sense, which is why I rose my prices. Okay. Also, I've done my market research with my cookie competitors. There's a um, cookie franchise called Great American Cookies who sells six cookies, which is a half a dozen cookies for $13. There's a local bakery in our town who sells one cookie for $4.25. Also, there's another cookie franchise called Crumble Cookies who sells four cookies for $13.95. So why are my prices too high, right? I'm all for taking advice, but when it's coming from a condemning and arrogant place, thanks, but no thanks, but I don't want it, (laughs) okay? Um, So... Again, maybe that situation happened so that it could be put into this episode because I was not planning on talking about that. But that was like the perfect example for what we saw in the book of Job when it comes to older people giving advice or wisdom and just feeling like their way is the way and what you're doing is wrong and you need to follow the blueprint that works for them. And it's like, that's not always the case. Just just relax. (laughs) So in conclusion... Um, I just want to give like four takeaway points from, you know, everything that I've shared today. So the first one is that sometimes you just have to let older people be wrong, especially if they are head bent on what they believe. So one of my um, my ways or my morals is that I don't go back and forth with people to try and change their mind about something. I just ask that you respect my belief because I'm not going to change my mind either. Like we just don't even have to engage in a conversation about it. If it's about to be intense 
or if you're just head bent and you're trying to convince me and change my mind about stuff, I would just rather not have the conversation. So I'm not going to go back and forth with you, but I also ask that you respect my belief and don't try to change my mind because I'm not going to try to change yours. Okay. Um, The second takeaway is that some older people are just stubborn. I looked up the definition of stubborn and it means having or showing dogged determination not to change one's attitude or position on something, especially, especially in spite of good arguments or reason to do so. Some other related words to stubborn is difficult, adamant, uncompromising, and inflexible. So just understand that some older people, this, this is just who they are. This is their characteristics and their, their mindset. And there's nothing we can really do about it or change it. You're just going to make yourself mad. You're just going to get them mad. Now you're arguing. Now you're going to say something you ain't supposed to say. Just understand that's who they are and you can't change that. Or it's not your responsibility to change that. Um, also, just have grace and pray for this older generation, okay? Um, a lot of us automatically think that age equals wisdom and a lot of older people feel that way because I'm 60 plus or 50 plus, I have wisdom. And that's not always the case. As I shared in the quote before, just because your body is getting older, doesn't mean that your soul and your psyche are maturing as well. There are some immature, immature older people. I have been in conversations or seen situations of how some older people have reacted to things. And it's like, that's really immature (laughs) for you to respond and behave that way. So it takes humility for some older people to say, you know what? I was wrong about that. Or you know what? I didn't know that. And a lot of people in that older generation aren't mature enough to say that and accept that. So just pray that God will soften their hearts for them to be receptive. Okay. And the final takeaway is this should be a warning to our generation as millennials. Do not fall in the same trap that this older generation has, okay? We are the older generation to a younger generation. So I don't want to be that older lady who thinks that she knows everything. Yes, I want to share what wisdom I have with the younger generation, but I can also learn from them too, okay? Um, I think about this in regards to like technology. A lot of older people don't really want to mess with technology or don't want to take the time to learn how to do certain things. And I don't want that to be me. Whatever is changing and evolving in this world, I want to stay up to date. If it's something I can learn or be taught, I want to learn it. I want to know it. I don't want to shy away from it because I think it's hard or it's new or it's stupid or it doesn't apply to me or what I used to do works. I want to be able to keep up with the trends and things for as long as possible, okay? We are all the body of Christ, older generation and younger generation. Everybody plays an important, excuse me, everybody plays an important role. Everybody has something to share and bring to the table. When we all work together, the body of Christ benefits and God's kingdom, um, his, his will, excuse me, <laughs> When we all work together, the body of Christ benefits and God's kingdom will is done on earth. There we go. (laughs) All right. So just a quick, um, two quick reflections. Do you know an older person who is difficult when it comes to sharing new information with them? 
And how can you shift your approach when dealing with them? Okay. So that is all that I have for today. Um, if you are not, please follow me on both Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to join the Mom Keys to Mental Peace community and email list. All these links will be in the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you listen to it on, um, as well as my YouTube channel to see the video format. Be sure to rate this show on Apple Podcasts. Give it a five-star review. Write a comment. This helps other people um, find the con- find the podcast and be sure to share this out um, to somebody who this could bless or benefit or who um, could relate to this, what I shared today. All right. I think I have one more piece for the Job Bible study. I'm not sure, but um, if so, I will be here next week to share it. Okay. So thank you all again. And I pray that you have a great week and I will talk to you soon. Bye.